Hey everybody, this is Jim Duncan. Uh, I write Real Central VA, Real Crozet VA, and we're introducing a Real Pod VA. Uh, I'm sitting here with uh, Dave Stipe and Bart Isley, uh, talking about Central Virginia real estate lifestyles and all that's all that surrounds what real estate is in our lovely area. Today's topic, Jim, is um, I was thinking about getting the damn house. Um, and neighborhoods and the neighborhood discussion. Cool. Um, Are you going to talk about assessments or? Oh yeah, I'll do assessments. I'll do assessments first. Okay. Okay. Um, Great. So yeah, uh, assessments in Admiral County and City of Charlottesville, um, they're up. I think that it's something that um, it's hard. I mean, people look at that and they say, "Oh, my house is worth more." No, it's not. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It, it might be worth less. Might be worth more. It just doesn't really matter. Um, I think it's the the hard part is going to be. How that fund, that, how that money is allocated? Because every every year it seems the last seven years the assessments have been going up, right? And the county's costs seem to go up commensurately as well. Um, there's always a way to spend more money, it seems. Um, but yeah, I think assessments are up. I think they may be looking to raise the tax rate. The city's going to be, I think, stable. Um, Fluvanna, I saw that they went up, or they're trying to pitch a higher, much higher rate there. The rate's second highest in the air, in the region. Um, so it's just all over the board. Um, but assessments are something that people get every year and some freak out, some challenge them, some ignore them, but we all just pay our taxes anyway. So, I mean, I think it'd be good to like, even just get into like, what does an assessment mean for a homeowner or a potential home buyer? Because for me, I mean, like even just we were to go to as basic as could be, like when I was even in high school, my dad was trying to teach me the value of things and he was literally doing it over baseball cards. So I'd come home and be like, dad, check out, I got this card. It's like worth 50 bucks. He goes, it's only worth 50 bucks if somebody's willing to pay you $50 Mm -hmm. for it. And so I always kind of take a look at that. Whenever I get my housing assessment in, I always kind of say like, Okay, kind of an arbitrary number. It all, it's a, like my house is only valued what somebody's willing to pay me for it. Well, it, now it's hard. I mean, so I, I always look at there are, there are three, or there, the valuations that are out there are going to be the assessments, which are done by the county, uh, the Zestimate, which is a yeah. somewhat BS uh, valuation, pure algorithmically driven. Sure. Um, and then you have the market value. The market value is what your baseball card, what a buyer is willing to pay. Right. Um, and then you have the the appraisal. So there's four. Uh, the the appraisal is, is paid for by the ultimately by the buyer for the valuation on the house. Um, so you've got those those four. Zestimate we can toss out because it's all algorithm driven. The assessment is something that is a backwards looking value. I mean they're they're look, the assessors are looking at last year's value and trying to you know, make it 100 percent of market value. And market value is what someone's willing to pay. And that really is you know, right now we're seeing in some pockets of the market. Market value is way, way above assessment Um, because buyers are finding there's limited inventory, and so they're willing to pay more for that product, and it's not catching up with the assessments. And you're also seeing on the flip side, you're also seeing a fair fair amount that are under assessed value. Yeah. Um, But market value is what what Dave is willing to pay Bart for a thing. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to pay Bart nothing. Well, yeah. Well, okay. The other other guy in the room. Yeah. That seems seems super unfair. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, so it's you know I think it, the assessment is something that you know sometimes you'll see things marketed as below assessment sometimes you see marketed uh, over assessment and it's just irrelevant with respect to market value so it's a number that we look at and if it's to the benefit of the client we'll use it if it's to the disadvantage of the client we won't use it yep 
easy. It's interesting to hear you like be able to kind of say like Zestimates are a thing. Mm-hmm. People look at them, but it's not really a thing. I mean, it, for me, I mean, it, it just seems like a crazy thing that like this little technology app is is having that kind of influence on. Well, that's a the market whole in that other conversation. I mean, it, it, with how because they're they're way more than just, uh, an app. I mean, they have they have lobbyists on the hill. Oh my gosh, they are uh, in many ways they are seeking intentionally or not, and it's, either way it's irrelevant. They're seeking to replace, uh, I think, uh, realtors in a lot of ways and mm-hmm. become a, a streamlined market, um, which yeah. is you know is a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think that the this estimate is something that people look at. Uh, I'll get emails from clients sometimes saying, "Hey, my 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 estimate went up." I'm like, "Great." It doesn't mean you can sell your house for that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> my estimate dropped. Okay. Does still, it still doesn't mean still anything. not relevant? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just really, it's it's a number that people will look at, just like the assessments. Sure. You know, if if my, again, if my client says my assessment my estimate is five seventy five, and we're um, asking five twenty five, I might tell the buyers, "Hey, look, the estimate's higher." Under is under this estimate, so it's just it's a number that people it's an anchor that people latch onto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about getting in the house. Yeah. All right. When you're talking about getting in the house, you're I think you're hitting at something that Matt like. All right. For example, my wife is a negotiator. She mm-hmm. wants to negotiate everything. Right. Um, she goes in for to buy a car. She wants to have a discussion about and if. The person will not negotiate with her. Like, even if, like, we're close on the price, she's like, if we're not negotiating, we're not, like, we're not having fun. Like, <laughs> like when we bought a car earlier this year, that's her Super Bowl, man. Like, she's into it because she wants to negotiate. She wants to get on Croza Yard Sale Facebook page and she wants to negotiate. Yeah. Like, that's what she wants to do. That's how, like, she wants to do it. Like, how often do you see exactly that in the in the market? Well, I mean, you see it all, uh, a fair amount. I mean, but it also gets to a point of you know, with such limited inventory, you know, it doesn't. You can negotiate while you're negotiating. Someone else is buying the damn house. Yeah, is is where the market is. Um, I got a funny car story. So I bought my I bought my wife a car last year, and you know it was a you know a Honda. And we went in, we looked at the thing, we were negotiating with the guy, and I forget what the number was, but they're asking you know, this, and I offered just some silly, arbitrary number lower. And the guy's like, okay, let me take it to my boss. You know, it's always a big guy. Mm-hmm. It's always a big guy with a giant hand who comes back and like, shakes my hand and says, so uh, I see your number. Well, I'm looking at the blue book value on the computer. And blah, blah, blah. So the blue book is here. How, how did you come up with your number? I looked at him and was like, I don't know. It was lower than what you were offering. And he just, he went pale. He's just like, oh, I can't negotiate with you. I was like, yeah, I'm a three-year-old. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I will walk out. If I, and we got, you know, you know, ultimately got much lower than they, were, than they wanted. But it just, I think that you, in that perspective, I was willing to walk away. Right. I didn't care. There's another freaking car. The challenge we're seeing now is that there's not another freaking house. Yeah. You know, the inventory in, in the city and the, and the urban ring of Albemarle County is so limited for you, know, you can get a lot of new construction, but the stuff that the sweet spot for a lot of my buyers is, you know, two fifty to six, and that yeah. stuff is short supply. Yeah, and so you know, I think it's you know it's back to when the first boom market uh, in my in my career was, you know, it's it's less negotiating on terms and price and that stuff, and more negotiating on, well, crap, we have to pay how much more than asking price. 
And I think that the negotiation we're seeing now is more internally be- between the buyers. Uh, for a lot of again, no broad brush, but for a lot of situations, the buyers are saying, "Well, I don't want to pay." You know, they're asking, you know, four hundred. I don't want to pay four fifteen or four twenty. Okay, well, the other guys are. I mean, you're seeing multiple yeah. offer situations in a lot of in a, in a lot of these properties, um, and the, it's a matter of saying, "I don't want to pay," and if I buy it for four twenty today. And life happens in seven years, and it's worth three eighty-five. That conversation is becoming less of a, a less of a critical mass number, because people are more worried about getting in a house because there might not be another one. Yeah, I I lived that in yeah. two thousand seven. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, that's uh, you know we sure there was maybe more inventory in mm-hmm. two thousand seven, but I remember we were choosing between a couple of houses and like luckily that would have been on the market for a while but then we've also lived the other side of it right. where you know we're walking into a house you know it doesn't even have the sign up yet we're walking in and walking through we're like hey this is the one and we're making an offer but we you know ke- kept getting in situations where we were making contingency offers and you just don't stand a chance yeah. right now i mean it, it, so how do you like how do you bring a or how do you tell people to kind of get to a point where they can be more aggressive? I, they have to get burned a couple times. And yeah. they, you know, I mean, that, it has to be, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I can't, when I, the way I practice real estate and, and representation is I never really, I mean, I have my opinions, but I never say you should do this. I do it. It's, it's kind of like, like psychiatry. You know, right. what do you think about this? How does this make you feel? Uh, going back to my mom, um, you know, she, in the boom market, she would tell her buyers, if you lose this house, are you going to be you know, mortified and weeping in, in a puddle? Or are you going to be, eh, I'm disappointed? Or are you going to be indifferent? And if you're going to be in that, that puddle mentality, we need to be more aggressive. But it's easy for me to say as a third party, you know, unbiased uh, for the most part. Um, but it's, it's coaching them of, of what those feelings are. And also, I try to pull feelings out. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, cl- yeah, they yeah. cloud the negotiation. You know, I'm not going to walk away from a car if that is the only car in the world, and I love it. You know, you know, I can't live without it. But I think that it's really asking questions of the buyers uh, and sellers. And again, it's hard from the seller's point of view because a lot of sellers are hearing us talk about this crazy hot market, and their properties been on the market for four months. Yeah, you know, so I mean, about a third of properties are going under contract in a week or less. Wow, which means that. There's two thirds that ain't seeing that, you know. So it's that balance between the two of, of under, making sure people appreciate and understand the, the market dynamics. Yeah, it's interesting how you say like you got to get burned too, because I mean like that was totally our experience. Yeah. I mean we we were in that same thing where like we were looking at a home, we loved it, and then next thing you know, like somebody else had a contract on it before we even did. And we were like fifth in line in the contracts. Yeah, and uh, and it's a really frustrating thing because you start to just feel like. We, we, I mean, you were on the other side of us buying our home. Yeah. And before we even looked at that home, my wife and I had literally said, we're just shutting it down. Yeah. Like, we've been looking for a year. We put offers in. We've Some have gotten accepted, but then contingent. And it, it was just, it totally frustrated us. And then all of a sudden, this thing popped up. And my head was just totally out of like, all right, well, we'll take a look at it. Yeah. And we walked through. It was like, we loved it. Put an offer in. And I think we actually did that because Bart was like saying, like, yeah, we saw that go up. We didn't even bother because we knew somebody else was going to, like, jump in <laughs> on it. And, and uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a real thing. Like, it's, it can be really, really frustrating. But what you're saying is that Bart could have been my neighbor. 
That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Huge win for you. <laughs> like, I gotta really... be honest. Like, that's probably a win. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, it, it, it worked out well for you. There you go. Um, no, I mean, it's, it, you have to be, you know, it, it's, it's, again, it's easy for me to say getting burned is part of the process. But it sucks. I mean, I empathize yeah. with my clients. Um, I've had I've had some have looked for three seasons. Their rent where their lease will come up and they'll start looking, and then they'll get outbid. And then I have got one guy I worked with for three different se- for three seasons in a row. Yeah, he got outbid on everything. Jeez. And he's just a lifetime renter. Yeah. Wow. Um, but it, it's it's part of the process, and that's why I tell folks, you know, you got to start early. Yeah. Evaluating what your needs and wants in the community and the house and all that stuff way early in the process like months and months and months in yeah. advance yeah what's um like going back to what we were talking about with assessments do assessments yeah. play into these kind of things like do you have conversations about assessments with <laughs> with your clients or do those things like not necessarily play into the getting into the house factor is it more about just matching up with what um, people's wants and needs are for their community and for their home i uh, yes to both to to all that uh, I mean, the assessments come up as a conversation piece. Okay. Um, as a, a, that's a number, and that's about it. Yeah. You know, we're not going to make a, an all. If they're asking, you know, three fifty, and the assessment's three twenty five, we're not making an offer of three twenty five because the assessment is twenty five grand less. Right. It's just that's a number. Great. Right. So they're paying less in taxes than you will next year. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, once yeah. you sell that house for three fifty, the assessment becomes three fifty. Correct. Right. Yep. So it's a number, um, just like everything. Yeah. Um, but but that, some of this is, uh, when you're talking about just getting in the house, like you said, there's this, there's got to be this gut instinct element to it. You've got to walk in and know that's your spot. And right. like a lot of times then, like at least from what I've seen, numbers kind of go out the window a little bit. Suddenly, you know, when you can see something different there, I mean, not, not everybody is making this decision. is like a true investment-based decision, I think. And I think when you see, I mean, maybe I'm wrong there, but I think sometimes when you see your life, there is something different, like that will change things. It does. And, it, and my role is to say, you know, what if, you know, and it, so, you know, you love that house. Great. What if in seven years you get a job, you know, in Portland and you have to move and you just pay, they're asking 350 and you paid 380 and it's worth, you know, my role is to say, what if that's 340? Do you have... In seven years, do you have sixty thousand dollars in the bank? And that my role is, say, is to have that conversation, but it's also to have that conversation and, and then say, you know, quickly countering everything I just said, saying, "But if you love this house, you may not get another one like it." Yeah, you know, so it's making sure you have that life confidence of you know, I'm pretty comfortable in my spot. I know I'm I know as well as I can that we're going to be here for five, seven, ten years. Yeah, um, and I'm I've saw. Now that number of, of time people are in houses is now about ten years, and when I started seventeen years ago, it was three or four. <laughs> is there a general difference between someone who already lives here and who is coming in and has to and has to get into a spot, or can sit around? All right, I'm going to tell you there's a difference <laughs> because that's like I think that is one of my biggest struggles when we start to look at houses mm-hmm. is that we already have this house. Right. And yes, we have too many children for this house. Mm-hmm. It is too small. It is what I can make a long list, but like we already have it. Right. And like the idea of I mean, I don't want to move again. I don't want to do like and there's just a lot and like 
already know this house. Like, I already know the things that don't work here. Right. I already know the things that are wrong with this piece of property. <laughs> like, I'm already aware of, like, all these, this myriad problem, like, right. set of problems that I have. Like, do you find a difference between, like, I think we, it was easier for us to make a decision when we moved to this area in 2007 than it is for us to make a decision now. It is, it, there is a difference. People come in with a timeline um, and they have to, you know, their job starts June 3rd and they have to buy a house in that, that limited window. Um, again, I counsel people to rent first when they come to the area, I want them to rent for a year so they can figure out if they like, you know, mud house in Crozet or they like the, you know, grit in Stonefield mm-hmm. like where their lives going to be. Um, but it's also hard to, I mean, uh, I think if you're making a discretionary move, if you will, it might make it harder to uproot because you don't have a job that's transferring you 50 miles away or whatever. Um, but it's, it's just moving socks. I, I advise against it. Oh, I want to be buried in the backyard of my home. Yeah. We just bought it, and you can just bury me back there. I'm done. Oh, it's I'm awful. Done. This is it. Yeah, this it's, is it. It's, it's a horrible experience. Um, but I think that it's also, you know, once you make that decision to move from, you know, San Diego to Charlottesville, you've made that decision. You, you know, whereas mm-hmm. if you're saying, well, the house is too small, we could look for something else. There's no compelling reason unless, you know, God help you, you your wife gets pregnant with quintuplets. You know, then you're going to have, you know. <laughs> what? This is an audio medium, so I want to be, like, really clear about what my face just did when Jim said that. Uh, it's a mix of, of horror <laughs> and defying and, science and, and defying science and more horror um, and, and I would say defiance as well defi- yeah defiance <laughs> itself yeah no because it, sometimes you speak things into the universe and they come true and if that becomes the case this moment we will know what happened to Jim Duncan <laughs> at the end of his life <laughs> you know but life life, cha- life changes dictate moving you know, people people move for marriage, divorce, kids, jobs, for for traumatic events. But if you're moving just because, eh, I could probably have a better house. That's not there's not that compelling traumatic effect. Or it doesn't impact. create any urgency, right? Like there's just no urgency, and I think that that like becomes in a market like this. I think that's a problem. Like it, it becomes very difficult to get done what you want to get done. Well, I mean, again, I think a lot of people they you know. They, they could move, but why would they go through the stress and the hell that can be the the home search process? We just put in bunk beds. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's, it seemed it's, like an easier solution <laughs> than to move. It's a much easier solution than move. That's an afternoon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever. Like, I just, it's like a part of my Saturday yeah. versus, you know, months and learning about a new house that has huge problems. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, it's, again, people, people move for traumatic reasons, and they don't – they tend – Generally, unless they they don't have kids, you know, if you don't have kids, things are a lot easier. You can say, "I'm going to look for a house," but you know, not factoring out schools and community and soccer and baseball and mm-hmm. all those ancillary things that come along with having children. Hey, everybody! Wanted to take a quick break to talk about Rockfish. I'm sure you're all aware that the music industry has changed pretty dramatically over the last decade. Artists are able to create more music than ever before. We know because we're out here making those records with them. We're working with talented, up-and-coming artists that big labels ignore. Our mission is to make great records and create a closer connection between artists, their fans, old and new, and the recording company. 
It's really pretty simple. For a subscription starting at $3 per month, you get access to our entire archive of music. And inside, you not only get the records we're producing, but all kinds of rough tracks, alternate takes, and bonus material. You're gonna access all of the stages of the recording process. So go check us out at rockfishmusic.com and subscribe. If you're a music fan, this is an amazing way to access new music and directly support independent artists. Yeah, so I think now we'll talk about the that Woolen Mills thread on Reddit that I saw that about how people choose their neighborhoods and and what's important to them. Yep. Um. Anyway, that that thread was it was funny. A guy moved into to Woolen Mills, um, and then he put up a thread. He's like, "What do you wish you had known? What's cool about the neighborhood that you wish you had known?" And it it, it I was gonna say it, it devolved. It evolved into people saying, "Well, I like Firefly, and I like Beer Run, and I like the the Riverside Park, and I like this, and I like this, and I like this." And it was people really expressing their love of their neighborhood, and then it went off in a tangent of other neighborhoods of what was important to them. Yeah, and I thought it was really cool because it's the stuff that it's it's one of the things that I think my buyer clients moving to the area questions they should ask about instead of saying, you know, I need four bedrooms, two baths. Yeah, we know that. You can find that in any neighborhood. Yeah, you can find that anywhere. But what's cool about the neighborhood? What speaks to you? Uh, you know, do you like being, you know, walking distance to Ravenna Trail and, and walking by the river? And is that important mm-hmm. to you? Uh, you know, beer run, I think, is a hell of a draw. Absolutely. Um, they've got a great brunch. I want great craft beer. Great craft beer. Walking great distance brunch. to my house and, more important, walking distance back to my house. There you go. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I think it's, it's, you know, they wanted to know about people are asking about restaurants and you know, pediatricians and daycares and the stuff that makes life. Yeah, was really cool to see, you know, uncoached, if you will. Yeah, people having that discussion about, you know, well, this pediatrician is, you know, is great, and this one is, you know, not so great. And here's the daycare that I go to. Holy crap, daycare is expensive. How do you afford a mortgage <laughs> paying daycare for two kids? If you find that out, you can let us the rest I, of us just, know. You know, it's just, but it was, it was, you know, life yeah. happened in a. You know, it, in a good Reddit thread, which doesn't, yeah. doesn't always occur. There's no no no, no locking the thread. <laughs> it was because, all good in a Reddit thread know, for know, the first time ever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it was I it, I I appreciated that people were asking the questions about what's important to you, and it was things that were important to to most of my clients. Yeah, and it was being articulated in a, in a one thread that I've saved and emailing to clients now as a I know we're going to look for houses. Get some ideas here as to to questions you should be asking me. Uh, and there's really no good way. There's no centralized Yelp for pediatricians. Huh. You know, oh. it's, it's, you know, meeting. So much word of mouth. Yeah, no kidding. Write that down. <laughs> Yelp, it's all for doctors. Yelp for, Yelp for dentists. Like, rate, isn't there like rate my doctors? Like, rate can you my imagine doctors. like being somebody who logs in is like, I'm getting on rate my doctors today yeah. to lay down <laughs> Awesome. Like, I mean, what do you do? Like, do you take pictures of like my colonoscopy was banging, and I want to let the world know about it. The photos on this thing just sound like the worst Instagram that ever walked. Like, just terrible stuff. There is a site that has that where doctors will put in their their Insta. I forget the Instagram feed, but they will they will put up pictures of just god awful nightmarish things, saying, "Have you seen this?" And I think my friend showed me one where the guy's like his hand was underneath his stomach skin. It's like he got stuck here. I'm like, <gasps> so anyway, quick. This is a not, like, no. The internet's a big and scary thing. No, but it, it's also the best thing because that stuff, to, like how would you have found 
you know, you would like, all right, fine. Like, yeah, there are ways to figure out like what's cool in Woolen Mills. Like you right. could have walked in, you know, to somebody's house and said, Hey, how you doing? What's cool here? Right. Like, yes, there are like, there's an analog way to do this. <laughs> like I understand basic communi- human communication. I understand most of it. You know, it was, was created to avoid all of that. <laughs> gives, gives everybody a shot at it. Yeah. You know, everybody, it's so accessible. Like everybody can find this. So have you seen, you know, since, I mean, gosh, every time I say so, I feel like I'm like Al Gore trying to say that I invented the internet. <laughs> like, have you seen, do you see better, much better informed people come in with maybe a lot more information now? I, they come in with a lot more, but a lot of it's not better. And, and I do coach people to go analog and to walk, you know, I, I tell them, you know, if you've got a kid in a stroller, put the kid in the stroller and walk on the neighborhood. If you've got a dog, yeah. take the dog. Borrow a dog, you know. Borrow a kid with you know with permission. With permission, <laughs> with not yours. No, no, <laughs> no, no several like, available <laughs> for rent. You know, but you gotta you know walk through and and Business see people. <laughs> Renting out. This is a bad business idea. (laughs) What? The liability insurance alone just cratered this business idea. I am leaving this part in. I'm cutting the first thing. I am leaving this part in. Don't leave it in. But yeah, I mean, I I wanted to, you know, I I mean, go get a beer at Beer Run and talk to the bartender. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I hadn't thought about that. Shoot the shit with the go pull up belly up to the bar and go talk to the person next to it. You know, like that's. I, mean, I travel a lot for work, and right. that's actually, like, a really big thing that I do. Like, you can kind of get stuck just m- moving from one Marriott to the next, right. and they're all the same. Like, I make a very big point of, like, even when I travel, I want to get out and I want to eat the local food. I want to drink the local beer, and I go for a run on the streets, mm-hmm. like, or college campus, wherever it may right. be. But, like, yeah, like, go find the bar, belly up to the bar, and chat with the bartender. Yeah, tells yeah. you everything you need. A lifetime ago, when I when I traveled, about eighty percent of the time, I would do that. I would go get the local food, but it's hard though. I mean, people people come in, and if you look at Twenty Nine North, I think the only local thing you have there is Timberwood. Yeah, you know, and so you come in, and your the hotel just got approved um, in in Hollymead Town Center. But if that's your thing, it's kind of telling you that the Twenty Nine North segment is not the part of Albemarle County that you want to live in, right? You right. may want to live more downtown. You may want to live more western Albemarle. But I mean, that goes to your point of figuring out what's what's important to you. You know, is yeah. being close to the Target and the Harris Teeter and the Starbucks is that your world? Okay, that's that's your world. And you can yeah. find all that information on a Reddit thread. You can do that. Um, but yeah, I think you know, walking around the neighborhood and you know, seeing the sights, smells, sounds. People if they wave, if they don't wave, if they glare at you and your kids. I mean, that's ideal. That. <laughs> That's what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, I think there are, there are there are analog ways in addition to the internet. You know, I think the internet can be a great starting point, but it's it's just a starting point. This is Bart Eisler, Scrimmage Play. Uh, I was going to write an old school radio jingle for this, something slick with a catchy chorus of people just singing our name over and over again. But we have zero musical talent on staff. What we do have, and that is one slick transition there, is a passion for talking about, writing about, and shooting video of high school sports in Central Virginia. For almost a decade, we've been the top source for high school sports coverage in this area. We've also got a podcast that's now a part of the Central Network. If you love high school sports, give us a listen, and if you like what we're doing, check out the support link in each episode description and support the work we're doing. In the meantime, we'll keep working on that jingle. Hey, you got ladybugs. Nice. Those are the bad ladybugs. Um, uh, they're all over the place. Yeah. The heat's come out, and like I just, I were infested, and I just vacuumed up like tons of ladybugs last week. They're bad ladybugs too. And 
my assistant's out, and this is kind of his job <laughs> is to keep all the ladybugs and stink bugs vacuumed up. You have a, you have a vermin assistant? <laughs> it's called being a recording studio engineer assistant. I have hired the Pied Piper, and it's going great. No joke. My recording studio career in Charlottesville, Virginia, began with me cleaning up a part of a recording studio that was called Cat Piss Alley. I'm not lying. I had to do a monthly scrub of Cat Piss Alley because we had a bunch of feral... Stray cats that lived in the back alley where all the bands loaded stuff in. (laughs) But there he is, Dave, with a with a rag mop. It was one of those big giant like industrial scrub brushes and a big giant bucket of like clear green or whatever that stuff is. And it took me two and a half hours once a month to do. (sighs) Two and a half hours. It was a long. Did you have have a face mask? (laughs) (laughs) They eventually gave me a face mask. (laughs) This right. is a whole other pod. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. And then I would literally, like, we, I mean, we had a shower in the studio, and then I would literally just go uh, and take, like, a 30-minute shower and just Is that the, the grossest thing you've ever done in a job? Yes. What's the grossest thing you've ever done, Jeff? When I was a kid, my dad had a, um, a horse show jumping facility, and there, were, there was a crew of four or five of us, and you'd have, I think there were 800 stalls. And they'd come in, they'd do the event, and then everybody would leave. All the horses and people would leave on, like, a <clears throat> Thursday night, Friday morning. And then we would clean 800 stalls by Monday morning. Nah. Two yeah. for two. <laughs> two for two. Worst jobs that these two guys have had have been involved animal feces or waste. <laughs> what's, your, what's the worst, the most gross job you've ever had? My, in high school, I, got, I worked at a seafood restaurant. And my mother would not let me come into the house until I had changed clothes in the garage because I actually smelled like a crab boil combined with (laughs) rotted oysters. Like, and we're talking like, I mean, dude, like, like, seafood goes bad so fast that, like, it is inevitable that something is going to rot. And when you are the 14-year-old with a work permit, guess who's cleaning out the freezer? Yep. It's not Jim who's been in the kitchen for 10 years. He's going to yell at you until you clean out the freezer. Uh. And it was, yeah, my mom, she wouldn't let, like, she would pick us up because I couldn't drive. I was 14, 15, something like that. Let's not get mom in trouble. I don't remember what age. Actually, I think it was 15. Let's go with 15. You're nine and a half. It was totally legal. It was totally legal. But she would make, like, sometimes she would make us ride, like, in the trunk. Um, because she didn't want to stink <laughs> in the from mom. She didn't want to stink in the interior. Mom throwing an eight-year-old in the trunk. Well, okay, I great. I want to be clear, too. The, the restaurant was right at the front of our neighborhood. So it's like, I mean, neighborhood roads. I mean, yeah. whatever. Like, you can ride around. I'm sure we you can rough, you can, you can rough ride your... I was a big child. I was a big child. Like, I wasn't going anywhere. You could, you could rough ride your team through the neighborhood I once in a while. Understand. Like, I mean, if she'd had a pickup truck, we would have ridden in the back of that, there too. No, it was Good. disgusting. I smelled like a crab boy. You can talk me into a good time